honesty hour, I did not know what I was doing in regards to launching this podcast. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without Anchor. Anchor makes starting a podcast super, super easy and allows you to not only use their platform to distribute the podcast, but you can even go on your phone or computer and record and edit the podcast right on their platform. Best of all, it's totally, totally free. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Urban Misfits Show. And today we have Sarah, former co-founder and former executive director at True School. And she's now currently a general manager at IC Stars. Tell us a little bit about IC Stars. Sure. So IC Stars is really a business leadership and technology training program. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our goal is to find talent, train talent, and put talent to work. So working with 18 and older, um, really looking at young adults and getting them um, technology training and getting jobs in the technology field. Mm-hmm. So I, I first met you at True School and you were, you're pretty much super involved in the hip hop community. And sure. you were always just like, whenever a computer broke down, you're the one who were like <laughs> always there, like fixing it. What got you into like technology? Well, I actually was in IT for about a decade before I got into the nonprofit industry. And so, you know, I found myself pregnant at 17 and had to figure life out very quickly. And um, I kind of by chance got into technology. I was an administrative assistant at a company right over Um, around here by Cathedral Square. It's no longer in business, but at the time, um, I remember just sitting in an office and having to do like Excel spreadsheets and Word docs, and I really didn't know any of it. And so I was just kind of like sitting in the room, like kind of quietly banging on the table, like, oh my God, how do I do this? Because I don't want to get fired. Um, And so I began to not only look for resources and kind of self-teach myself, but... um, I also inquired at the company and like asked them to send me to different technology training, you know, classes and um, got some certifications and then eventually got into the and became part of the IT department and started to get into uh, building databases for the company and kind of got into custom database um, creation as well. And so that's kind of how I started. You know, IT became and computers became my hustle as a single mm-hmm. mom. Um, I'm, I'm like a hands on learner, so I really enjoyed learning how to build and fix computers. And so that was kind of my side hustle where I would, um, people would bring their computers to me and I would build and fix them or I'd get scraps and build them and sell them. Um, So that was kind of always like a side gig for me. And Mm -hmm. then um, I had a friend who worked at a community center, Milwaukee Christian Center on the south side of Milwaukee. And I had a young daughter at the time. And so I'd go hang out there like during teen night and noticed they had a computer lab that wasn't being used. And um, it was also kind of like the hotspot for hip hop at that time. And, you know, growing up in kind of the 80s and 90s, I call it the golden era of hip hop. um, You know, everyone around me, all my friends were, you know, breakers or DJs or MCs or graffiti artists. And uh, me and my girlfriends had a little graffiti crew called LVH back no, in the stop. day. <laughs> we just found the stickers. It's funny. Me and me and one of my friends, we like she found this little LVH thing online and was sending it to me the other day. Um, so I, I still have some of that memorabilia, but I was never really the artistic part mm-hmm. of of uh, our crew. And so for me, you know, I always kind of talk about like my art being business and wanting to support artists. And Definitely. so. You know, when we grew up, it was just like something we were doing. It wasn't like we were 
necessarily aware of like the impact that hip hop would have years later. Mm -hmm. And so um, when I saw kind of this computer lab not being used, I started to volunteer and then they eventually hired me on as a consultant. And so I kind of started my consulting business um, and started working for a number of nonprofits, both uh, building technology labs, creating curriculum, teaching classes. And that's kind of where I, I consider like my turning point is where I started to bring hip hop into the classroom. And so like while I was teaching class, like Miho and those guys were in the gym mm -hmm. breakdancing and they were probably like 12, 14 years old. Wow. Um, There's probably like a DJ out in the main room during teen night. You know, it was just really live. Right. And so it was kind of the hub on the south side. Um, and for me, growing up with hip hop, like it, it really woke me up to the reality of the world. You know, I grew up in Mequon, a very dominant white community. Mm -hmm. And I remember being in class and um, like we had like a page and a half about like indigenous Native American people. And there was like a couple more pages about slavery. And that was like it. It was like yeah, all it's, white it's Eurocentric. Sad, yeah. Yeah, yeah, very much indoctrined education. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when I started listening to hip hop, you know, like I was I was all about um, like Queen Latifah, Bahamadia, um, you know, NWA was out at the time. We also had like leaders of the new school as I got older into high school. And it was really, um, you know, like Chuck D says, it's kind of like the CNN of, you know, of the community. And it's in, and it tells stories and it woke me up to really think about and look into other cultures and mm -hmm. other um, people's history that I was kind of pissed that I didn't get the education. Okay. Right. Yeah. So I remember going to the Mequon library and finding the eyes on the prize series and like really watching and understanding and learning about civil rights movements and the history mm -hmm. that you don't get taught in school. And um, so when I started teaching technology, hip hop was kind of like, organic to me to use as a tool to engage young people who didn't necessarily want to come into a classroom after sitting in school all day. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it taught me um, and opened my eyes to a lot of things that I didn't know, didn't learn about, didn't see, didn't understand. And um, technology was kind of like the perfect marriage of using hip hop to attract young people to come in and learn something that for me, like, was a tool to kind of have a hustle, right? Like I talked about. Um, and so it was important too, to make sure that people also had access to technology and working on the South side. Definitely. Definitely yeah. wasn't a mm -hmm. lot of access. <laughs> so definitely like bringing kind of your skills and then actually allowing other people to kind of acquire what your knowledge and kind of using that to like benefit them. That's like very, very important. I feel like a lot of people like keep a lot of like skills to themselves instead of like sharing it with the community. And yeah. that's like really, really dope that you, you did that. And mm -hmm. it's, it's also very interesting to like see Miho and just like mm -hmm. anyone that you mentioned growing up with you now, now doing amazing things in the community. And like traveling the world. Yeah, right? exactly. B-boys traveling mm -hmm. the world yeah. and making a career out of it. And I think that's what was key with starting True School is that, you know, myself and my ex-husband, he was a graffiti artist. I was working at Latino Community Center at the time. Um, I was teaching technology and running the technology program, but mm -hmm. we he started to like come and hang out. And while he was waiting for me to get off work, he's in the back with his black book. Okay. Kids are like, what are you doing? What are you drawing? You know, and a lot of the kids that related to it at the time more so related to like 
um, like gang graffiti, right? And so they were out tagging more so gang graffiti than mm-hmm. like hip hop graffiti. And so when they saw him, it was like a very similar style. The kind of the culture was, you know, was tied yeah. in in certain ways. Um, but there was so much interest that we were like, okay, let's start to throw a block party. And we did our first block party. Um, and at the time, Summer of Peace was going on as well. Fidel Verdeen, he was doing Summer of Peace. And so um, we wanted to kind of support that initiative. They did a youth rally and then we did a block party mm-hmm. and started to get a lot of artists involved. Um, my, you know, Elliot, my ex-husband and I, excuse me, um, started to host classes at other nonprofits. I eventually kind of left um Latino Community Center, and that's where we decided to do True School full-time. So we were running it out of our living room, and uh, it was kind of our home base at the time, and we're really working off of fee-for-service. So we had yet to get our 501c3 and become an official nonprofit, Mm -hmm. Um, but there was a lot of attention and interest because of the work we were doing around graffiti being a hot button for politicians and people in Milwaukee. Um, Like, why are you doing this? Why are you teaching kids to tag? And for us, it was about working with young people. And thankfully we had people like Judge Mosley and and other um, city officials like Jose Perez, who's now an Mm -hmm. alderman and um, people that really understood and supported the mission because they knew what hip hop culture was. Right. And not Mm -hmm. like the rap industrial complex, but Mm -hmm. hip hop culture. Mm -hmm. And so growing up from that generation and all of my friends kind of coming from that generation, um, you know, we were able to get community support And so it grew from us just doing some events to us then becoming like an official organization and really true was an acronym. It was, that's why you should see it in caps, true, Mm -hmm. uh, meaning truth and reality in urban education. And so the idea is that we Mm -hmm. were schooling young people on the truth and reality in urban education through hip hop. I didn't even know that. That's that's very interesting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of history that, you know, one day I'll put on paper, but. Um, and so as we started to build the organization, we brought in like our first MC instructor was a Debussy who then went by blacks. Who's now, I'm um, sorry, I want to get this right. Armstrong ransom, uh, just doing dope, amazing work. He was one of our first MC instructors. And then we brought truth on and then Fidel came on eventually as a full-time art of MC instructor. We had just really dope, like graffiti artists that were supporting the work that we were doing and getting involved. Um, from Elliot to Zenon and just, you know, a whole bunch of other um, artists that would help and support and get involved. Breakers, of course, Miho and mm-hmm. them were always, yeah. always the, uh, the go-to crew. Um, and really, you know, I was the only full-time staff member for the first eight years wow. of True School. And so it really was built on the support of the community. Um, those that I grew up with that were also like hip hop heads Mm -hmm. that really kind of knew what the culture did for us as young people. Um, and who were just as passionate about making sure that we pass on the tradition of the culture Mm -hmm. as well as the elements too. So technology kind of always had a role in it because I was always hustling on the side and I used technology to help build the business. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, like coming into what I'm doing now is kind of the perfect marriage of all my IT and nonprofit experience in one and still doing mission-driven work. So, Definitely. yeah. Yeah. I mean, seems like True School is that kind of that like hip-hop centric for Milwaukee. And it's, 
it's very interesting watching it just like glow, grow and flourish and still like the mission being continued on. Right. Uh, so that's like your legacy. Right. And, uh, I will always be proud of my baby. Yeah. <laughs> so um, have you like, did you, you know, working at True School and now working at IC Stars, like you're doing a lot with just like youth and, and the Milwaukee community. Like, mm-hmm. did you find that passion early on or you know, I guess for me, I was like in survival mode, okay. right? Because I was a young mother, uh, like my senior year of high school, I was pregnant and homeschooled and then um, kind of just like took on jobs and, and did things without really knowing and understanding that it was kind of all part of a process, mm-hmm. right? And you kind of look back now and you're like, oh, that's why that happened, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I also was raised in service. So my dad was a public servant. He worked for uh, the city of Mequon. He was an urban planner and developer. Um, my mom worked at UWM, but she worked in a lot of community groups. My brother was um, dealing with just a lot of issues from Tourette syndrome and, and different learning disabilities when he was younger. Um, and he was like this amazing kid who was one of those just incredibly intelligent young people. Um, but he was struggling with mental health and things like that. And so my mom was always involved in community support groups. And I just always remember kind of like being there as a young kid sitting in the background and watching her and seeing like little newspaper clips of her. And, um, so I didn't really think about that till I got involved in running a nonprofit that, Mm -hmm. wow, this is like part of my family. Like this is embedded in my DNA. (laughs) And, um, yeah, I mean, for me, it's also about the opportunity that I, have been given the opportunities that I have created for myself um, and making sure that others not only have access to that, um, but know it exists. Right. And so that kind of ties into like my own consulting company, Bum Rush the Stage, where it's really a mantra about like, especially as a woman and as a woman in business, like Mm -hmm. not waiting for opportunities, but like just getting it right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Talking about us, about just starting all these different businesses and like being successful with them. I, I was like on your LinkedIn profile and I saw the quote, well-behaved women oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, rarely make history. Uh-huh. Right. And that, that's very true. Uh, could you talk a little bit more about that? That's and so what funny. It means to you. Yeah. It's so funny. This guy called me the other day and he's like looking to sell some software to us. And he was mentioned the same thing. He's like, could you explain that? <laughs> I find it kind of interesting, too, that like men are the ones who typically ask me about it. (laughs) Um, But really, for me, it's like a way of life. Right. Mm -hmm. When I first saw that, I mean, I don't even know when I first came across that. I was much younger, Mm -hmm. Um, but it resonated so deep because I have always kind of been a disruptor. Right. And so I always say, like, that's my my superpower. (laughs) Um, And the idea that. You know, it's about disrupting industry. It's about like disrupting stereotypes, disrupting um, really any and everything I can get my hands on, Mm -hmm. right? To create a better circumstance for me, for others, for whoever. Um, And so the idea that, I mean, you kind of see what I'm wearing today, Believe Women. It's about supporting women. It's about supporting um, men as well, right? Mm -hmm. And making sure that... um, I'm, I'm just never, I've never have been a quiet mouse in the corner. And so, <laughs> um, you know, I was taught to like find my voice and mm-hmm. seek it out and speak it out. And um, I credit my parents for kind of instilling that in me. 
where it's like there's always a solution to everything. And so for me, it's like, I, you know, you're just never going to find me kind of meekly sitting back and letting things happen to mm-hmm. me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, the idea of well-behaved women rarely make history is it's kind of how I've lived my life. <laughs> Need more disruptors in Milwaukee. Like, can't. I think like Milwaukee is one of those cities. Like, I mean, right now we're like evolving, and you know, but I think we're we're very like all our ways is kind of like old. Like we mm-hmm. we stay to this like old tradition where it's like not really too much progressive, but like right now that's happening. Why did you stay in Milwaukee? Like. There's other cities that yeah. could have probably... Well, and I was ready to leave last year. I was looking at opportunities really for the weather more than anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and one day, eventually, I will, um, just because of the weather. But Milwaukee is part of who I am, right? Yeah. It has created Sarah. And um, Milwaukee is an interesting town. It's like, whenever I leave and I travel and I go do things, I get like energized to like explore Mm -hmm. and I love to explore other cities and areas and cultures and everything. Um, But I always miss Milwaukee. Right. And so there's something to be said for that. And I think, I think Milwaukee not only develops some of the most and dopest talent, like from producers to MCs to artists, to visual artists, um, even, you know, people, entrepreneurs and startups and in mm-hmm. the creative minds of Milwaukee is amazing. Um, but it's also like, it's like uniquely disturbed <laughs> in a way. It's like a, it's like, a, um, how do you say it? Like, it's like beautifully traumatic, right? Where there's all these things going on, which puts us at, at the top of the list in a lot of negative categories but at the same time there is so much like resilience there is so much um there's so many young people that have dealt with adversity that are like still surviving Mm -hmm. and the key is how do you find those young people right because those are like those are the the best candidates for icy stars those are the best candidates to come in do a four-month boot camp Mm -hmm. and get a nice salary job after the fact, right? Those are the ones who are going to be the most successful because they have dealt with adversity. And I think that is kind of the the beautiful uh, trauma that we see in Milwaukee, that there is so much trauma and violence that are that's going on. And you see so many young people really dealing with like PTSD just because of where they live and what mm-hmm. they've seen and experienced. But at the same time, that has made for the most resilient young people who are going to be so successful if they have the opportunity and the access, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and so, um, you know, it's like, it's hard to walk away from that. When you know and you see, especially all the years that I have worked with young people and I've seen that in action, mm-hmm. like I can't walk away from that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I hear a lot of people say that it's like, if you can make it in Milwaukee, you can make it oh, anywhere. Sure. And and that's very like true, like mm-hmm. it's, Especially for like artists or like just anyone that lives on the north side, it's like very, <laughs> right. it's very difficult like yeah. coming up in it's Milwaukee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so going from that, like, what has been like one of the, I guess, heartfelt moment for you working with like a lot of youth and just watching, watching them grow up? I know Sheldon, you probably watched Sheldon oh, yeah. grow up from when he was like a little kid mm. to like 
now what is that moment yeah like do you have a moment that you could yeah i mean there's a lot over the years you know i've been doing this work um for almost you know 20 plus years now and when i first started youth work i didn't really know i was in it right mm-hmm. i was just kind of like i said like volunteering running a computer lab i was just like oh you know it's fun to build computers and do this stuff and mm-hmm. like to kind of share what i've learned um but I remember one night um, we had teen night going on at Christian Center and there was a young man and we kind of knew the whole family and we knew what the struggles were going on and we, we didn't hear from him or see him for a while. So we went and drove around and actually found him and he was like sleeping in dumpsters at night and he was probably like maybe 12 if that wow. um, because his mom was on drugs and when he would stay with her at these houses you know men were trying to molest him and it was like such an eye-opening experience for me um that it really kind of woke me up to the responsibility that I had Mm -hmm. as far as um making sure that whatever opportunities I've had to try to create those for others and to make sure that um any and everything that I do is done with dignity, with integrity, um, and with purpose. And I think um, that's kind of when I figured out my purpose in life, and mm-hmm. it just changed everything for me. I think, wow, that's a, that's a, yeah, that's a powerful story. Yeah. And I think, I think stories like that stuff you like what leads into like, even myself like finding out like my passion early on, like you know being involved in nonprofit. I, I figure like Milwaukee needs a lot of help and mm-hmm. I could I could be one of those few people that yeah. you know filling those positions um what do you have planned in the next five years <laughs> well that's a deep question well um you know my goal is to continue supporting the organization that I'm with I see stars mm-hmm. um Professionally, you know, making sure that we are building opportunities for young people um, and building the organization to be successful and sustainable. I also, I think personally, um, am looking to kind of travel more and share my experience through Mm -hmm. like my consulting. Um, But, you know, it's 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 also really for me, it's important to make sure that I am also as equally involved with my family, right? And so as a founder of a nonprofit and running that for 13 years, that became my life and I lost my work-life balance. And so being able to kind of step away from that um, and and like seeing it still live, right, was -hmm. was great. Um, Being able to take a year off and have a baby was even greater. And it realigned myself with my mission with my purpose, but also with my joy and happiness Mm -hmm. and having a daughter at this stage in life um, with already having a 23 and 11 year old has been the most joyous experience for me. And I have kind of found my joy again. And so for me, it's also important to make sure that I keep work-life balance, right? Mm -hmm. And that um, living out my purpose through my professional career, but also like for me, the ultimate goal in life is family. Right. And that's Mm -hmm. happiness and joy. And so they kind of, you know, work hand in hand and I, I I can't work somewhere that I don't believe in. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so it's kind of, I'm in a win-win situation between home and work life right now. Oh, what's, uh, I'm I'm struggling with that right now. So what would that advice be like? Well, make sure you really take time for self-care, right? And so whatever that means to you. Like Mm -hmm. for me, I enjoy, even if it's just like at night when like the baby's asleep and everyone's good, Mm -hmm. um, taking a hot shower, putting some, you know, oils in there, relaxing, putting a face mask on, you know, the $2 face mask from Target, like whatever you can do Mm -hmm. um, to figure, you know, you have to find your peace. You have to find whether it's a place you go to just relax, if it's a person you go to to hang out with, if it's, you know, a hobby that you don't ever have time for. But Mm -hmm. it's so important because burnout is so real. Mm -hmm. And I definitely experienced that running a nonprofit um, and kind of being the everything, right? And Mm -hmm. so what you don't want to find yourself in is toxic stress. And that affects your health. It affects your physical and mental health. It affects your relationships. Um, and I really learned that the hard way because I didn't allow myself self-care and um, to kind of separate from the stress of your professional life mm-hmm. and making sure that you understand that that's just your professional life mm-hmm. and that's not your entire life. Definitely. Yeah. You know, you have to find that. Um, and you also have to stand on your shit. You know, <laughs> if I can cuss on you. Duffy can. This yeah. is a mess for the yeah. podcast. <laughs> but you do. Like, for me, it's like, you know, you really have to be strong in who you are. And you have to, like, have faith in, in knowing that, like, you believe in you. And that is where you find the ability to say no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is where you find the ability to walk away when you want to and need to. That is where you find the ability to remove things and people from your life that are no longer serving a purpose and are just creating toxic stress. So it's really important to like keep your third eye open, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And be aware. And it's a great advice. Yeah. Yeah. And just make sure that you have a balance because you don't want to find yourself at 30 and totally stressed out and looking like you're 50 years old, right? (laughs) Yeah, true. I was talking to this to my friend, like, I think yesterday, actually, I was like, yeah, like people start losing hair when they're like oh, super man. stressed out. And I was See just like, grays right here? I gotta go <laughs> touch them up. <laughs> I was always going go back to like Obama when he first, like, oh, man. you know, went into presidency and then when he came out. Right. Yeah, I was like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> the perfect side by side example of <laughs> exactly. yeah, what stress will do to your life. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. And it's also about like building those healthy habits now, mm-hmm. too. Right. Mm-hmm. And making sure that it becomes part of your personality, like for you to acknowledge when enough is enough. Definitely. And to stand on it and be like, you know, no, I'm good. Definitely, good. Yeah. No, I'm not going to. <laughs> so true. Yeah, it's something I have to like figure out sooner, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, but let's go back to like wine uh, all the way to like high school, senior in high school, you sure. know, uh, overcoming those challenges. So imagine somebody going through the same, you know, and they want to be successful. Yeah. Like, I guess words of hope or just encouragement. Yeah. Like what what would you Sure. I mean, for me, it's really about finding your purpose, right? Okay. And the sooner you find your purpose, the sooner your life makes sense. And you're not mm-hmm. like kind of struggling with the who am I, what am I, what am I gonna do? Um, and that's hard for a lot of people, you know. I mean, it's really hard for people to understand their purpose and find it 
especially at a young age, you know, you're so caught up in like what's going on around you. And there's so much being thrown at you, especially nowadays where everything is at your fingertips and everything is like instant gratification. Yeah. And you, you just want this, this, and it's like, you need content all the time. Um, and sometimes you just kind of have to remove yourself and unplug to really like ground yourself and find that voice within and who you want to be. Right. Mm -hmm. And I always like, when I look back now, um, I kind of see the purpose for everything that's happened in life, but I wish I would have also taken more time to kind of plan things out more. Right. And to Definitely. really have like a life plan to mm -hmm. say, um, this is where I want to be. Right. So like in my phone right now, in my notes section, I literally have one that says, this is where I want to be in blah, blah, blah. And I have goals and I have things that I have like mapped out. And mm -hmm. I went and looked back at it. Um, like right after I had my baby and I was like, Oh shit, there's like, I'm halfway there. And then I needed to make new ones. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so, um, I think that's important. I think it's okay to fail. Like that is failure is part of your success. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have learned more so from my failures than I have from my successes. And that's made me, I think more who I am by failing and getting back up and saying, okay, you know what I'm saying. That happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what's next? <laughs> and, um, I think that's key is to not be scared, right? I always go back to like my whole little tagline, come mm -hmm. rush the stage. It's like, just do it. Just do it. Definitely, yeah. It's just one of the simplest like yeah. catchphrases, but it, right? it, it Thank works. You, Nike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I agree with the failing part too. Like society is just like everything has to be perfect, success. Yeah. But I think failing is where you, you find yourself too. Like I, I found myself through like failing and, and, you know, I just long nights just thinking and, you know, right about that and how I can do better next time. So, yeah, I mean, I think, too, we would have nothing around us like lights, cameras, microphones. Mm -hmm. If people didn't fail so many times so to succeed yeah. and figure it out. Right. Because this didn't happen one time. Mm -hmm. Somebody mm -hmm. tried this over and over and over and over and over and over. And then they finally made it work. Definitely. So you have to kind of think in that mindset that like nothing around me was built on a first time success. Mm -hmm. It was all built on failure. And then you found the success. Definitely. Yeah. And I think, I think like that's, that's a problem with school nowadays. Oh, like man. it's, I was just hearing this one teacher give a talk the other day and he, he was saying he doesn't grade his student by the grade or the passing, but just on the process, if they mm. followed the process and if, if they fail, like, sure, as long as they followed that process right. to get to like where they, they are, like he would give them a passing grade. And I thought that was like very interesting. Yeah. And I think that's something that should be implemented more in school. Cause like the, the earlier you fail, the better, cause then you, you're continuing to learn instead of like waiting to like you're older to like, for sure, try to start a business and fail. And uh -huh. then it's like, Okay. What's well, happening? you know, in, in traditional education in America is, is built on like, it's meant to indoctrinate you, right? Mm -hmm. It's not meant to like actually educate you. It's meant to make you think a certain way mm -hmm. and, and have a certain idea of like, you know, superiority and white superiority. And that's built into curriculum, right? And so, um, you have to also think about, 
like the purpose of people teaching you and educating you and like in school, especially thinking mm-hmm. about where your textbooks are coming from, yeah, that's true. who your teacher is. Mm-hmm. Do they look like you? Do they have understanding of you and your background, your culture, your ethnicity? Do mm-hmm. they, um, are, are they there f- to pay off their student loans? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, are they there true. to babysit yeah. you? Yeah. Or do they have, do you have a teacher like you just mentioned, right? Who's really mm-hmm. there to teach you what's, what's really called social emotional intelligence mm-hmm. and that you are, um, there to learn how to learn, not to necessarily learn the subjects that you're given, Mm -hmm. right? Because Mm -hmm. you are given a little bit of a whole lot that's out there. Mm -hmm. And that's meant to be on purpose, right? That's Mm -hmm. how America was built. Like we see it blatantly today. Um, And those that are, you know, considered woke or those that are aware (laughs) know that that's what the educational system was meant to do. And so it's really important, I think, too, to make sure that we are teaching our young people and our children social emotional intelligence. Um, And that's that's key. Like with IC stars, it's really not just about technology. It's Mm -hmm. about how to learn so that. In technology, when you learn one, you mm-hmm. learn a lot others, right? Definitely. It's kind of like yeah. you learn the piano, you kind of know all the other instruments. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same thing in tech and where um, for us, it's really important that we're building social emotional intelligence and that you are learning to network. You're learning to do be you know on a project team. You're learning to work with others. You're understanding like who you are. And like when you guys came in and you talked mm-hmm. about, you know, your personal branding, your storytelling and telling your story and the elevator pitch and all that stuff. Like those are key and important to learning your voice and finding your place in the workforce and in life. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think it goes back to like learning how to learn more so than what we do. Definitely. I like that. And I think like in high school, if I would have learned how to just like do research and, and that it's, it's okay to go on YouTube and and learn stuff. And it would have been so much easier, but like now I had to like figure out, oh yeah, it's okay to just, if I didn't know. And I think a lot of people, when they first start their jobs, they don't know what's going on. Right. They, they just like figured it out because that's like what they know how to do. Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting. Last question. Okay. What makes you a misfit? What makes me a misfit? Well, I think I go back to my superpower, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a disruptor. And so I have kind of always been out of the box. And not only in thinking, but doing um, and really trying to kind of realize my dream and, you know, dreams for others that um, you kind of have to think outside the box and you have to think outside the norm. Mm-hmm. And so being a misfit is is kind of like the best personality trait you can have. Um, any last word, like any anything that you want to tell me about yourself that. Well, um, I mean, I think, like you said, my mantra kind of, you know, speaks for itself in that I would encourage any and everyone to kind of disrupt your life around you to Mm -hmm. find who you are and what you want to be and find that purpose in life. Um, And, you know, for me personally, I'm 41 and still learning and still growing. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I just I never take it personal because it's all part of a process. Duffy, Duffy. Yeah, I (laughs) remember. Last thing, I read this book, The Fourth Agreement. Oh, I don't sure. know if you've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that that book changed my life. And I'm just like, maybe I, I should read more because if that one small <laughs> yeah. book like changed my whole perspective on Absolutely. life, like I should <laughs> there's more out there. Yeah. But thank you so much, yeah. Sarah, for thank you. being on the show. 
Thank it you. It was nice getting to know you beyond just like true school sure. and all the amazing work you're doing in the community. Well, thanks. You too, yeah. man. I'm, I'm proud of you and I'm excited Thank to you. see what you have. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I'm a, I guess I'm a product of true school. So <laughs> yeah, awesome. thank you guys. Me too. Yo, thanks for tuning in to this episode. I really had a great time chatting with Sarah and getting to know her beyond just true school and all the amazing thing that she's doing with IC star. She's a really dope individual. Uh, stay tuned with our other content, which be, will be linked below or around me here, somewhere here.